Every week I, I'm trying to preach on something from, mission, from the Mission 119 reading. Sometimes we will do something different depending on how the Holy Spirit leads. But this week we are looking at the life of Abraham, so we're going to be uh, looking at Genesis 12 to 22 in an overview kind of fashion. But I wanted to share a few thoughts before we get into uh, today's sermon. One of my very favorite, you know, one, of, one of my very favorite thoughts from Scripture and encouragements found in James. It's talking about a character named Elijah. And it's reflecting on his ministry in his lifetime, which we're going to read about uh, in the coming months here in our Bible readings. But Elijah is this epic titan of a character in the Old Testament who had this huge, dramatic showdown with the prophets of a different uh, religion where he ended up uh, putting, putting his own God, Yahweh, our God, to the, to the test, in a sense, against Baal. And so the priests of Baal uh, prepared an offering on their altar, and then Elijah prepared an offering on his altar, and he said, whichever God answers with fire is the true God. And the prophets of Baal, wailing, gnashing their teeth, begging Baal to, to, to light their altar, on fire. Come on, Bailey, light my fire. <laughs> Not in my notes, which I don't, have, I don't have notes today, so I can say whatever I want today. I'm off the chain, so I have a Bible. A little scary for you. So come on, Bailey, light my fire. Uh, great story. Elijah, instead of begging God to prove himself, decides to pour water on, the, on his offering. <laughs> And just, just to say, kind of in your face, God's going to take care of this, even drenched in water. If you've ever tried to start a campfire in the woods in a rainstorm, you know that's a very challenging thing to do indeed. So they're crying out to God. Elijah is mocking them, <laughs> saying, is your God in the bathroom? Literally from the Hebrew, you know. He seems busy. He can't answer the phone right now. And then finally... God's answer comes, and the fire comes from heaven and consumes not only the sacrifice, but the water, the sticks, and the rocks, almost leaving like a crater in the ground. You know, the God showed himself in glory. It's one of these epic stories. And James is doing some theological reflection on this amazing, well-known story that, that happened in the history of Hebrew people. Talking about the prayer of faith in James 5, he says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And those readers, perhaps just like us, would say, yeah, of a righteous person, not, not someone like me. He almost anticipates that and says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Uh, the, obviously, a different story he's uh, drawing on of Elijah and his miraculous ministry than I shared with you, but the point is the same. This epic titan of faith was a man just like you. He prayed, and a miracle happened. Many miracles happened. He was a man just like you. So don't think that you are disqualified from some kind of ministry of prayer or some kind of thing you might do for God because 
you're not righteous enough, you're not this, you're not that. No. Especially these days, as Jesus has, as God has given us the righteousness of Jesus, we are, we are righteous in Christ, and our prayers are powerful and effective. We are, uh, we have a lot in common with these people in the Bible. And if you've done the readings this week, you see we have a lot in common with Abraham. And I wanted to start with that thought about Elijah to say, we have a lot in common with this guy Abraham as well, which you probably saw this week. Turning to Genesis 12, I'm going to share some highlights from this account. But as much as we are separated by many years, the story of Abraham is very much relatable to us in our walk with God. You know, we are saved by this amazing grace uh, through Jesus Christ. And we know Abraham was saved by that same grace as well. And then our life is a series of events where we learn to trust in the God who saved us. And it's very, it's very gritty, it's very grounded and down to earth the way we learn to trust in God. It has to do with our base existence and fears and things we encounter every day. The whole world and everything we experience is like a lesson plan from God to us to teach us to trust him. Uh, it's, it's not this abstract concept. It's very concrete. And something that we lose uh, in, in the way that, that, that we've been taught to pray or the way we've been taught to think is this theological idea that God's presence is imminent. Think about when, when the, on Tuesday night when you moms and dads realized the snowstorm was imminent. It's coming. And you teachers were just waiting for Saratoga to close. Ichabod's Crane School closes. It's always closed. It's even closed, in the, it's closed even when there's no snow. But you're waiting for Boston Spa and Saratoga to close, those holdouts of the capital region. I know because my wife, she previously was a teacher, and now she feels like a teacher on those nights, I think, with her Weather Channel app. The imminence of a storm. You know it's coming. And in the same way, God's presence is imminent on the earth. It is here, it's coming. In a way, the idea of imminence is it's pressing down on us all the time. It says in the scriptures things like when two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, there he is with them. That's a, an idea of imminence. Jesus, when asked about the kingdom of God, replied, the kingdom of God is within you. It's imminent. God is pressing down on each one of our lives in the nitty-gritty details, and we often miss the things he's trying to teach us and the ways he's trying to grow us because we forget that he's right there. He's not out there. And people cry out to God, especially Christians who have the Holy Spirit within them. He hears them, and he answers, and he's working in this intimate, close-by kind of way. It's a healthy thing to remember. And he was certainly working that way, in Abraham's life, orchestrating circumstances and teaching Abraham to walk with him. This week, as I read these, these stories of Abraham's life, all of a the sudden, there are, pro, there, there are two or three things right now that I am doing that are very difficult for me. And in the midst of the difficulty of trying to do these things, 
seeing that God himself is trying to teach me something, to trust him through these difficult things, was this whole other layer where, yeah, I kind of thought about that before and prayed about that, but seeing how intimately he worked in Abraham's life, it just encouraged me. You know, God is, God is teaching me. I need to stick with this because God is trying to show me how to trust in him in this area of my life that's very hard for me to trust him in. And we've all got them. Everyone has an area of their life that they are fearful about, that they have a hard time trusting God with. It's very, this is down-to-earth stuff. Everyone has things that come to mind. Come to mind. Um, I have had a whole slew of different fears and insecurities that have driven my life in the past. And I can look at those, some of those things and say, that's not really an issue for me anymore. But I used, that used to be a crushing issue for me before I learned to trust God with that. Everyone has these down-to-earth things, and God is pressing in on us, trying to teach us to trust in Him. So the first point is that, you know, we are saved by grace. Abraham was saved by grace, and we are saved by grace. I want to just uh, sh- highlight from the text the call of Abram in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. Later on, the Lord appears to Abram in verse 7 and says, To your offspring I will give this land, and the land of Morah at Shechem, the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And there Abraham built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. One of the things that was pointed out this week is that this covenant that God made with Abraham was a covenant of pure grace, just like it is with us. It was just a gift that God bestowed upon Abraham. Nothing Abraham earned was necessarily qualified for. In fact, you know, Abraham was not even likely a God follower before this initial calling came to him. But God called Abram said, I'm going to bless you to bless other people. And he did it seemingly just out of his, out of his desire, but not because of any way, in any way Abraham earned that, uh, that gift. And likewise, with us who are in Jesus Christ, we haven't done anything to earn our salvation. God's given it to us as a free gift. The Bible says it over and over and over again. It's a gift from God that we receive through faith. And Abraham is given this gift, and he believes God. And the writer of Hebrews says it was reckoned to him as righteousness. God saw just simple belief in the gift given and receiving of that gift uh, in that act of faith uh, as the only, the, only, the only part that Abraham really played in the whole thing, it was God. In case there was any doubt about this being of God alone and of grace alone, uh, this beautiful image, Abraham sets up a, uh, a sacrifice that God instructs him to set up uh, where they are kind of make, making this covenant together, Abraham and God. And God instructs him on how the animals to bring. Abraham cuts them in two pieces, lays them out, And then Abraham falls asleep. And our God, talking to himself, because Abraham's sleeping, appears and he passes between those 
sacrificial animals. And God reaffirms, this covenant is my gift to Abram. Abram fell asleep while I was making it. Abraham did not pass through the pieces. This is my gift to you. Not of, not of you, Abram. It's an amazing picture. Just to think about the gift of grace uh, foreshadowed that we receive in Christ. You know, we haven't earned it. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. All of us have been saved by grace. Abraham was saved by grace. And, and one of the most telling things is, is later in uh, Genesis 22, after God tests Abraham, God says, I swear by myself that because you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Um, God swore on himself to keep this covenant with Abraham. And through Jesus, God has sworn on himself to keep his covenant with us, his covenant of grace. It's not dependent on him uh, swearing on our good behavior. If, if, if you do this, I'll save you. But no, God says, I swear by myself, you are my children, saved by grace. Just a beautiful picture uh, of what that looks like all the way back in the book of beginnings in the New Testament. So the interesting thing about grace and receiving grace for people then, as, as, as for people now, is that we are, we are trusting God essentially with our eternity. Would you agree with that? Wouldn't you say that salvation by grace through faith, we're, we're, we're believing we're saved for eternity by God. No judgment coming on us for our sins. Jesus covers us. We are safe. We are saved. We believe that, right? So what an incredible thing that was such a global salvation that God's given to each of us that we find it still, as they found it then, so hard to trust in God with the smaller things of life. So very hard. Wouldn't you think that if, and I don't have a good illustration, if a stranger took an interest in your family and said, you know, because of my love for your family, I see you don't have the house that you need, and I'm going to buy you a house, and I'm going to pay for your groceries, and I'm going to pay for your kids to go to the best schools and for college. Um, I want to be a part of your family's life from now on. And we were to receive that amazing gift that this stranger gave to us out of love. And then, you know, one day, you know, the electricity gets turned off. We realize we haven't paid the bill and we, we didn't have the money for it. <clears throat> and, we, and we think to ourselves, I would never call that guy because he certainly will not take care of me. He's not going to pay my electricity bill. He, do, he doesn't care for me enough to care about this small thing. He's already done so much. You know, that's the kind of ridiculous thing that we, we, we go through every day as, uh, as Christians with God. He's done all of this for us, given us eternal security, salvation. But in those nitty-gritty, down-to-earth details and those small fears of our lives, we think to ourselves, I, I got to take care of this on my own. God can't be trusted. God can't be bothered. But yes, he can be bothered. He can be trusted. And we see in this text, after this covenant of grace is made with Abraham, as it has been made with us, uh, God brings Abraham through a series of interesting tests. And 
in the same way, God brings us through a series of interesting tests in our lives. Abraham had some legitimate fears, just like we have, about our lives. And instead of trusting God with those things, he tended to, though he believed in the, in the covenant and God's love for him, he tended to uh, still hold those fears and be led by those fears. If you look in Genesis 12, 10, Abraham heads to Egypt, Abram at this time. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you're my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So here we see a fear that perhaps we can identify with, a fear of death he had, a fear of violence. Something is going to happen to me. And instead of going to God with that fear, he decides to take matters into his own hands by saying that Sarah is his sister. And then she gets taken into Pharaoh's household to be one of his wives. And God sovereignly uh, creates a situation where that can no longer go on, and he, he gets Sarah, Sarai back. And you think, you know, Abraham learned his lesson. Now, I need to trust God and not worry about my fear for my life like this. God said he was going to make me into a great nation, give me all these descendants, all these different things. To do that, he has to keep me alive. I can trust him. But no. Right later in Genesis 20, once again, Abram, Abraham at this time, fears for his life going through a land, and he says to his wife, tell them you're my sister. And King Abimelech takes her to be his wife. Uh, once again, Abraham is, is struggling to trust God with, this, with, with his fear, his deepest fear um, for his life. And once again, God graciously uh, delivers him. So that's, that's a pretty good story. And finally, you know, when we get to the end, as was pointed out this week in our readings, the promised child that God had promised to Abram that would be the descendant that made his, his, uh, his line live on would be a blessing to the world. In, ver in chapter 21, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. And there's this amazing fulfillment of this promise. And God decides to test Abraham this third time. God had been kind of testing him to trust him with his fears, to trust him with his entire life. And God takes him on another adventure, this one pretty extreme. Sometime later in, in chapter 22, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey and took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Now on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I, go and, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, uh, Abraham, Father, 
Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So here we have this third, uh, this third test where Abraham's very down-to-earth real-life fear for his life, fear for his future, and insecurity are put on the line in the severe way by God. And it says God was testing him. Does that bother anybody? Do you mind being tested? God tested Abraham on this thing. And finally, Abraham succeeded at this test to trust God with everything. And this was the biggest test that he'd ever faced. And, it, and he showed God in it, I trust you. I finally trust you. So I, as I was reading this week, I kept thinking to myself, about the words of Pastor Soper in his, in his commentary. He, talked, he said, God is so gracious. He'll, he, bring, he knows our weaknesses and the things that we struggle with, and he tests us to see if we will trust in him all the time in our lives. And God is so gracious, just like with Sarai, and, and when, when Abraham said he was their sister two times, uh, God will continue bringing the same test, do you trust me, over and over and over again into your life until, until you learn the lesson. And, uh, and God was faithful to do that with, with Abraham. And, but what a tragedy to sort of, though God's been so gracious with us, just continue to cycle through that test over and over again and never get any kind of spiritual traction in our lives. And the, the, you know, the victory that we can have through trusting God in some of those areas that have been hardest for us to trust him, maybe for years, maybe for decades, is so fantastic. To miss that would be a huge tragedy. But because we don't often think about God being nearby, we often don't think about the fact that God's testing us at all. We just think, well, this is just life hitting me over and over and over again. Um, so as the worship team comes forward and leads us in a closing song, you know, I'd like to challenge you to think about the imminence of God that he is pressing in on your life right now. I'd like you to think about the ways God has tried to grow you to trust him in your life and the ways that he has tried to test you in your life, uh, maybe through a different lens than you have before. And I want you to think in what areas God has brought you back to time and time again that he's asking you simply to trust in him.
That's what the challenge of today's sermon is. That was the challenge of Abraham's life. Uh, will you trust in God with those things? You know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I used to have a lot of different, uh, I, I used to have a, a different set of fears than I have today. Everyone has fears and things they work through. But I had, very specifically, a fear of, of, uh, of dying young that came upon me very strongly after I got married and when I started having kids. Because I started to think about, you know, what would happen to these people that are depending on me, you know, if something were to happen to me. And I, would, and I encountered my thinking about my mortality in a very morbid kind of way. And I had this, this fear underneath everything else that was an anxiety or a worry that was uh, eating away at me underneath, behind the scenes. Not really allowed enough voice to disrupt my life too much, but a voice nonetheless. And God has had to bring me through a, a, uh, a process of trusting him with my life and trusting him with my family. It's the same kind of thing that Abraham dealt with, his fear for his life in the midst of testing. What are the things that God is trying to test you in and bringing up in your life and challenging you? Trust me. Look, I saved you cosmically. If I gave you the house, if I paid for your bills, if I buy you groceries, can't you trust me to keep the lights on? I mean, it's ridiculous. God has been so liberal and gracious to us. We need to be able to trust him in all those areas. But he is patient, and he will give us time and time again opportunities uh, to grow in that trust. So as we sing from the inside out, let's ask God to transform us this morning uh, and open our eyes to all this. Let's stand together and sing this. So I want to, to bless you, and I pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you would know that uh, the Holy Spirit, that God himself, is pressing down on your life. That he is such an amazing God, that he puts as much energy into your life as he does into keeping everything held together by his powerful word, because he's God. He can do that. that he's concerned for you. That he wants you to know he loves you, and that you can trust him, even in the most difficult circumstances pray a blessing upon you, that you be strengthened in your faith as you walk with the God who created us and who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. All of this is much, much better in community, so please sign up for small groups. There, a lot of them are just launching this week. You haven't missed anything um, over at that type table over there. We thank you for being with us today and take it easy on the way home.